Write that. Write that down for me, Slate. All right. Welcome back, Write everyone. Hello from Burbank. I'm Justin Nipper. Welcome back to another episode of Write That Down. We're on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm back with Fumi Saito. And today, what we talked about, we talked about Captain Redneck, Dick Murdoch. And I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with not just Dick Murdoch and his career in the States, but much of his career and success was over in Japan and not just for New Japan. It was All Japan. It was JWA. It was Kokusai Wrestling. It was Fujiwara Gumi. Wing, IWA, and so forth. He was a true freelancer, it felt like. Uh, freelance attitude. Lonesome rider. We talked about his work in the States, too, of course. And we talked about him and Dusty, Texas Outlaws. We talked about the Hardliners. We talked about how he made moves like Brain Buster famous and the calf branding the the knee to the back of the head he made that famous but what we didn't focus on we didn't focus on the rumors that have gone on for years about dick murdoch's alleged racism Uh, apparently there was a rumor that's been around for years that he was a member of the kkk now while it's hearsay i can't I don't, I'm not defending it. I just can't prove anything about uh, this fellow, Dick Murdoch. And from that perspective, that's why we just focused on his wrestling, his career. Um, we want this to be enjoyable for you, and we want this to be... I mean, this is definitely something to be talked about, and there is a discourse to be had on wrestler behavior, especially back then. Um, and of course, if these rumors were true, it does change a lot of things, and... Personally, I wouldn't have any desire to discuss someone like that, regardless of how talented they were. But since we don't know that, we didn't cover it. And that's why I'm telling you now, because I didn't want to avoid it either. So that's the deal with that. If you have thoughts or you want to talk about more of this, email me. Contact us. I just wanted to let you know that We're not talking about that on today's episode. We talked about the in-ring career, and we always try to give you guys a little bit more of a positive spin. We're trying to avoid the dark side of the ring, Steez. So again, if you have questions, comments, or you want to expound on on this area of Murdoch's life, let us know. But just up front, we're talking about his career, and if that makes you uncomfortable, I completely understand. But... uh, in my mind, I've separated or uh, excuse me, compartmentalized his professional work with the rumors of what may or may not have been said or done. That's for you to decide for right now. All right, if you have not already, please subscribe to the Fight Game Media Network podcast feed. It's on Apple and Spotify, Downcast, Stitcher. Wherever you usually listen to your podcast, please hit the subscribe button. It helps us very much. Thanks for all the kind words lately. Thank you for the support. Without further ado, let's talk Captain Redneck, Dick Murdoch. Yes. Life and times of Dick Murdoch. Redneck Dick Murdoch. About say in America, he was just Dick Murdoch in Japan. Mm. Madoku. <laughs> Madoku, yes. That's Madoku, right. yeah. Yeah. Like uh, the vowel sound, you know, mm. at the end. But he was a very important figure in all through the 70s and 80s, well into 90s. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Another wrestler, just like, you know, last time we talked about Adrian Adonis, the today's fans, you know, probably don't know who he is. And, well, he, he passed away back in 1996. And uh, a, a type of wrestler that, you know, we should really, you know, talk about because his legacy and, and the importance, 
and uh, the influence you know into today's wrestling has been so overlooked his mm. the whole career has been yeah pretty much overlooked and uh yeah he was so talented and he was said early on that the, he this guy was going to be nwa you know national wrestling alliance world heavyweight champion kind of like harley race was mm. and uh yeah when what's well, that it's like today's audience you know because i'm i want to you know aim this, this kind this kind of topic to some of today's audience that nwa that the national wrestling alliance once once upon a time was the closest thing to undisputed world title or the monopoly in wrestling business before vince mcmahon's era right yeah it's not like uh whatever the billy corgan uh group is doing right now oh no no that, that but they they it's, you it's, know, know they know this legacy well enough that, that yes. they want to be it's related they're calling it like the oldest wrestling organization in the world and the same same type of belt and aesthetic but yeah yeah and then logos you're talking and about studio is... wrestling and all yeah like a very much like a retro style you know the whole atmosphere but the wrestling was like that you know mm -hmm. way back when yeah and then when, what the time you're talking about this is also before WWF WWE was a thing. So this was this was pro wrestling. Territory was pro wrestling. Yeah, and if yeah, you're the champ, territorial. Yeah, you were big all over the world, everywhere. Oh, pretty much yes. And Dick Murdoch was born 1946, mm. one year after World War Two. Right, right. Baby that boomer. Guy. So he's a baby boomer. Baby boomer, definitely. And also Waukesha, Texas. Right. Mm. It's like uh, like uh, not Houston or Dallas, like a big big city, you know. But the more your genuine, you know, Texan. I mean, everything's Texas, big in Texas. Texas. Yeah, Texas, Texas. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And talks like like a Southern Texas, mm. really. His accent and language and everything. Mm. And also, he was second generation wrestler. Dick Murdoch was. Um, his actually father, but stepfather, you know, Frank, Frankie Murdoch was a wrestler. <clears throat> okay, we, we, we'll start with this. Dick Murdoch, you know, was born 1946, mm -hmm. it, the, the August 16th. At the same time, you know, in this deep, you know, Amarillo, the, the, the Canyon, Texas area, Dory Funk, Dory Funk Jr., See, Dory Funk Jr. was born in 1941. Terry Funk was born in 1944. So a couple years younger than Terry Funk, Dick Murdoch was. And Dory Funk's and Terry Funk's father, Dory Funk, we call him Dory Funk Sr., but at the time, he was Dory Funk, period, right? Father Dory Funk was running Amarillo, Texas territory. Was, now we're talking about territory days of wrestling. Mm -hmm. it's, there was, see, uh, Paul Bosch's big Houston territory in Texas, and Joe Blanchard, Tully Blanchard's father, running San Antonio, Texas, hmm. and Amarillo, Texas. Dory Funk is running his territory, and decades later, Von Erichs in Dallas, of course, you know, hmm. and the Texas is big enough to have like a four. Always had like a four or five different full-time wrestling companies with their own roster. Interesting, you know, not not there, when there was no national run, you know, like a running. I mean, like, like WWE or today's AEW. That the, according to your geographic area, you did have local wrestling, and it was fairly big enough that they had they ran full time schedule, and they had their group of wrestlers roster. They used to call a stable of wrestlers, mm. and Dory Funk was running. That uh, Amarillo and the surrounding area, as as they you know his territory, running full time schedule with with their own guys, and on top, Dory Funk, we should call a senior then. Dory Funk senior against Frankie Murdoch, Dick Murdoch father was a, their main event card. So the Funk in, family has a really uh, it's important role in Dick Murdoch's career, yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm, I'm gonna get to it. Mm. The main event one night was Dory Funk against Frankie Murdoch, Texas Deathmatch. Ah. 
that this is a couple of different theory to it, but the that the the famous theory is that's where Texas Deathmatch was invented. So for those that aren't familiar with that term, so Texas Deathmatch was it's a stipulation. You either has... pin pinfall the guy or submit the guy once, right? Mm-hmm. And referee will start, you know, count count like a you know like a count of ten. If you get up before the count of ten, the match continues until you cannot beat the ten, count count ten. Now it, it evolved into last man standing match, Roman Reigns against Brock Lesnar or something. Mm-hmm. So basically, yeah, so you have to be pinned and then get a ten count or KO or something. Yeah. Or sure, yes, or submit. Yeah, the referee start counting. You know, if if this guy can get up, if you can get up before the count of ten, match continues. And there was a night, you know, they that uh, this Dory Funk's company, they only gave one match, Dory Funk against Frankie Murdoch. One, just one match, hmm. Texas Death match, right, to settle the score. 13 falls each. <laughs> you know <what> <laughs> How long each was that guy. in total? Oh, I was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to it. And the, the match, one match lasted until four o'clock in the morning. Oof. Or until till the dawn. How's that? So that's m- more like uh, back in the original days of pro wrestling. Like matches yeah, would but take uh, just imagine you're, you know, professional wrestling with bar fight. Yeah, that adds a different kind of flavor to the experience. And you're in Texas. Yeah, it's a, so you're you watch you going to watch a what four hour brawl? That's it. That's what yeah, you're watching. Yeah, and perfect Dory Funk Senior against Frankie Murdoch. Hmm. And this is what gets interesting: Dory Funk Junior. Today's Dory Funk. Everybody think he's old, but the, when Dick Murdoch and and Dory Funk met. Dory was nine years old and Dick Murdoch four years old. Wow, four. <laughs> so they both grew up in, in, in business, right? Mm. And Harley Race told me one time that uh, Dory Funk, see, Harley when when Harley Race was young, he spent a lot of time in in Amarillo, Texas. Like they were brothers. Like Dory Funk, born nineteen forty one. Harley Race born 1943, Terry Funk born in 1944. As Race put it to me, that it, is, it goes like this. It goes like this. They're all a year and a half apart. Okay. Dory, Race, and Terry Funk. All one year, one, one year and a half apart. They're like brothers. Mm, and he's when, sort of the, uh, the unofficial Funk brother, yeah? Growing up. Oh, definitely. And Dory Funk was uh, basically choose Hardy Race to drop the belt when when he was NWA World Champion. I see. Yeah. So Dory Funk, Hardy Race, Terry Funk, then Dick Murdoch, a couple years younger than them. Hmm. Very makes interesting. Sense. Yeah. <clears throat> makes sense. <clears throat> and also another famous tale is. Southwest Texas State University, State College. Mm. Now it's uh, agricultural tech, right? They changed uh, the Texas name. Texas A&M? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's the same school that they just changed name like 20 years ago. But the West Texas uh, University, college, State College, State University, just say, let's just say Southwest. You uh, had Dory Funk. You had Terry Funk, you had Dusty Rose, you had Bobby Duncan, you had Bruiser Brody, you had Stan Hansen, a little bit later, Manny Fernandez, the Tito Santana, the Barry Windham, the Ted DiBiase, the uh, Tully Blanchard, all those guys went to the same school. Isn't yeah, that it's interesting? A, it's work? amazing to think who came through that school. It was so, as a fan, when you hear Not everybody that, graduated, some did, some hmm. didn't. And I, so correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think. Dick Murdoch was even officially a student there, was he? Uh, actually, he went to Southwest for one semester. <laughs> I see. Okay, so then yeah, then he had attended football pla- in the practice, but never went to classes. I see. Yeah, so, so he was there one semester. So that does that make him alumni? <laughs> yeah, why not? In this case, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he, the funny story is, he only attended school like one semester, but played alumni football games. 
<laughs> that's I think that's the story I heard that yeah he played the alumni yeah. football games, right? But the, the Dusty Rose, the, not just Dorian Terry Funk, but the, the Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, and you had like people like Bobby Duncan and you know Dusty Rose in between, and, and then you have Manny Fernandez, the Tali Blanchard, the Ted DiBiase, the, all these people, Tito Santana. Oh my God, it's mm. what a football team, right? Yeah, and when fans read, uh, read about that and hear about that over the years, there's so many fans that think that you, you have to go through, first you do football, and then you <laughs> yeah. train for pro wrestling. I, but I believe that they had pretty big football team, like, you know, 70, sure. 80 guys, you know. And, but also, uh, football was different as business back then. It was not the money-making machine it is now. And like an NFL, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wrestling was where money was so that's why you had so many football players becoming wrestlers back then i mean it, it was a right financial and only a small number of people get drafted into nfl or when they had afl or other you know smaller league but uh, becoming football i mean professional football player good thing but what how many seasons altogether? you know mm -hmm. you only get to play about the five to seven years if that right yeah, it's a limited it's a uh, yeah very limited shelf life i think so i think so anyhow dick morak was like that so he attended the southwest for one semester probably and attended all, all the football practice but the tale says he never went to classes and when you when you didn't you know make the classes you're not in team either right right not a little college thing you know eligible thing but anyhow, that the, he started uh, wrestling professionally also right out of high school in 1964. Okay. Yeah. How old was so he? He had to be what age? Like um, 20. 60. Right out of high school, 64. So he's or like, like, yeah, like 18. Yeah, because he was he was born 1946, so he was 18. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he right was, out of high school. Young. Oh, he would have started, you know, when he was 16, you know, I mean. By by that time, when he was 18, 19, how big was he by the head? Was he already a big oh, guy? Oh, I'm same size. Yeah. Okay. So he was pretty. Yeah. That, uh, pretty the funny story is the Dory Funk told me one time when, when they met as a kid, it looked exactly the same as Dick Murdoch today. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. I mean, I'm like a chubby kid. I they, but you know, I don't know about you, but in, in my life, I feel like there's some kids you see and you look at them, you see an old face, you see an old soul in them already. You know already, I mean? yeah. Or not quite, I mean, like a cut bodybuilder body, you know, big boy, but like a kind of chubby. Natural you know? strength, natural body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, all in all, the, the Dick Murdoch never lifted weight, <laughs> you know. But he did look like a tough guy. He looked like. A, oh, yeah. Uh, somebody who could beat you up, and back then, yeah, and then really tall mm. and heavy, heavy set, like natural two sixty ish, two seventy even, athletic like a football player. Oh yeah, he was throwing drop kick, the flying mm. head scissors, and everything else. And the and, uh, the, the he did the the knee to the head, the falling knee drop to the head. Ah, uh, that the calf branding, calf branding. Okay, I didn't know it was yeah, called yeah, that. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's kind of his. I, his... I'm not signature His yeah. thing, yeah i'm not sure if he invented it or not but uh, he he really did that right mm. calf branding sounds like uh, a yeah. texas texas name texas moved <laughs> yeah. right yeah and uh, this is like, as a kid both dory funk terry funk and and dick murdoch all witnessed their fathers doing texas death match right mm -hmm. and and in the territory and uh the first trip first dick murdoch's young dick murdoch's first trip was 1968 so he's got to, he must be 22. okay yeah yeah with with people like dick the bruiser the buddy austin uh young hurdy race and all and uh, then when he went to awa um to become texas outlaws texas dirty outlaws dick yeah dirty dick murdoch and dusty rose young mm. dusty rose heel young and was programmed against very similar you know, but the generation older, you know, real heavy set blonde, two blonde guy, Dick the Bruiser and the Clash of Yeah, it's almost like um, 
both teams sort of mirrored each other's looks. Uh, yeah, I think so. But the Dick and Dusty Rose even taller. Same kind of chubbiness and mm-hmm. in, in, in the short blonde hair. Yeah, but and bleach blonde fo- hair and... And all played football, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, similar, you know, beer drinking bra style, right? Mm-hmm. And that both yeah. had similar uh, down south twang and dialect accent. Yeah, and short black trunks. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, they, like you said, married each other, uh, really complemented each other. And I guess Dick Murdoch and Crusher was, you know, getting a little older. Mm-hmm. And Dusty Rose and Dirty Dick Murdoch was young, big, like a heel, you know. And then they had successful run. Then, then uh, the reason we're talking about Dick Murdoch today was that, okay, 1964, to between 1964 and then he passed away in 1996. So he had 32-year career, 32-year wow. career. Substantial. Yeah. And out of 32 years, he spent his 28 years in Japan. 28? 28 years in Japan, yeah. So that's, a, you know, people that, you know, like myself, that I, I'm familiar with Dick Murdoch, and he had it runs all over the States, but in that Japan, too, yeah, cause he, he was he worked a... like, yeah, Crockett, you know, NWA Crockett had a program against Ric Flair a little bit later on. He worked with the NWA Florida, that uh, uh, Texas, of course. He worked a lot of different places, but the mainly he wanted to come to Japan and spend like 15 to 20 weeks out of the year. That's like four or five months out of the year. That's a lot. That's the, you know, just like a Bruiser Brody did and Stan Hansen later did. Yeah, Fox. he was doing it before Stan and Brody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The reason he wanted to come to Japan was that uh, he thought it was a paradise because he didn't have to drive. Mm-hmm. That the tour bus does it for you, right? He never had to look for hotels or motels for that night. And and as you get off the tour bus, that you already checked into hotel and then the keys handed. Mm-hmm. Right. All you have to do is just, you know, think about your match tomorrow, tonight. And uh, and a lot of times, you know, he kind of found, uh, you know, that's kind of Japanese culture. But uh, people come up to you and they want to buy you dinner, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. It's like he'd gotten used to it. And it's like, oh, wow. And then and, and, uh, he doesn't have to drive. He doesn't have to find hotel. And he doesn't have to do this and that. It's like, and all you have to do is just show up. At the, you know, at the hotel lobby and get, get picked up by tour, tour bus, go to the building and work and come home. I mean, come back to the hotel and eat and do that for about three or four weeks. Then, you know, get paid real well and go home and get rest, you know, like a rest up and do that about four or five times a year for 28 year period. Uh, he was one of the wrestlers early on, like in mid seventies, that like one of the candidates to become NW World Heavyweight Champion, along with people like Harley Race, and you know, well Terry Funk got the belt for a year, like uh, years before Ric Flair era, but he didn't did not want to have World Champion schedule town to town, territory to territory, airplane to airplane, hotel to hotels. That's not his thing. Mm. Yeah. And, so, you know, he didn't have to drive, so he could drink all the beer he wanted to in Japan. <laughs> I guess, yeah, all and the Kirin was... beer, Kirin beer, Asahi beer, the Sapporo beer. Do, do you remember Japanese bottle beers, like a really yes. long, tall, brown you know, bottle beer. Of course, yeah. That's what you usually get when you go to Japanese izakaya. Izakaya, of, uh, like a your Kirin lager beer. Yeah, you get uh, the bottle <laughs> of beer and the traditional, the Japanese, the small glass. Glasses? Not, bigger right. than a shot glass, but... Um, what, a lot smaller than a mug. Yeah, right. like uh, three and a half, four inches tall. And you, you, yeah, yeah, the clear glasses, right? And you I mean, take clear, the bottle, uh, yeah. and when somebody's glass is empty, you have to pay attention because you, you should really be pouring and filling that small you cup. You observed that in Japan, huh? I mean, if you don't do it, if you don't do it... I, I don't. Well, I mean, as a foreigner, I feel like uh, when you're living there, either people are going to expect you to know or they completely don't expect you to know. And I, when I was yeah. living there, I never... There were always... Then you say, simasen, simasen dozo, dozo, uh, dozo. Yeah, especially uh, at uh, work... 
out like a, a bonenkai or something. Yeah, bonenkai. You explain that. Yeah, when you with your bosses or something. Yeah, ear and and yeah, the party thing. You know, yeah. Mm. Bonenkai season in December coming up soon. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, so, so... first time in three years after pandemic. Oh yeah. Oh so my god. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're we're expecting big Bonenkai season this year. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> anyhow, <laughs> anyhow so imagine. you know the Japanese izakaya situation. You actually, it's like a bar and grill. So you sit and drink and eat. Mm-hmm. But eat not there like too. an entree. Di- it's just a lot of oh, small like dishes. Through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a appetizer forever. Yeah, it's kind of like you're having a chat, you're you're hanging out with friends, or you're at the Gokon or something, and yeah, it's like you're having like a buffalo wing forever. Yeah, uh, yeah. The French fries forever, nachos again, and after nachos, and yeah, it's kind of like that. But the the lifestyle, you know, after you know after the show, you get on the bus again, and you know go back to hotel. And then drop your bags off. Okay, let's find a place to eat. And you end up going to Izakaya because it's kind of late at night. Mm, mm. And uh, Dick Murdoch apparently loved that style. You know, it's just like, uh, I'm going to Japan, right? And uh, not uh, having like a full, ever having full-time schedule in in the stateside, he ended up coming to Japan like a four or five times a year for 28 year period mm-hmm. and what's interesting was that he worked all japan okay first he worked jwa nippon pro wrestling wow <clears throat> so he was there from with the funks from early on yeah jwa like a now defunct you know original company mm-hmm. then he worked international iwe you know also defunct uh older company he came in with dusty young dusty rose of texas outlaws then he had pretty pretty much full time schedules with all Japan, Jan Baba's all Japan. Mm-hmm. And at one point he beat Jumbo Tsura for UN title, so he was in a line of long program, don't you think? Mm. And it, it's funny, he's kind of r- roughly the same sort of size as Jumbo. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and also cha- regular challenger for Baba's PWF title, Pacific mm. Wrestling Federation title. Kind of a perfect opponent for Baba, too. Um, yeah, the way Dick Murdoch all big American and work kind of slow pace and can take a big, almost comical, right? Right, take bump for you. Yeah, lots of lots of uh, uh, really athletic movement, real athletic. Somebody wouldn't expect to see see that from, but and not exactly bodybuilder body, but this, this guy can move. Mm-hmm. Uh, working you, class man, working class body. And yeah, and then when you want to have, when you want to have good wrestling match, he'll do it. Mm-hmm. When you want to have more comedy oriented match, he can do it. Mm. And he had this fifty different way to get out of headlocks. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, probably learned from his father or by watching their fathers. Mm. Uh, so he, if you remember. Japanese wrestling, if it's all Japan or New Japan, they never have promos or no. the backstage skit or anything like that. That they just come out and wrestle, and they they tape the, the house shows for television. Mm. <clears throat> so all you do is actually go in the ring and have a wrestling match. Sometimes they grab house mic and say certain things, but the storyline in Japan is very very subtle. Like you want to challenge for the title and stuff like that. And his men, men, um, his mentor, Killer Carl Cox, is the one who taught him how to do this. You know, like a vertical sit-down brainbuster. Oh, that's right. Remember. He was the that the first time I heard that term was when I was watching brainbuster. Yeah, brainbuster. That's I associate yeah, cause, that because the form is just like your vertical suplex. Mm-hmm. And go into the move just like vertical suplex, but you don't throw it backward. He kind of hold it for a long time until people start clapping. Mm. Then you kind of sit down like formal pile driver, right. therefore brain buster. Right. He got that from Killer Carl Cox, and he had to be either 73 or 74. Jan Baba, you know, put together a single match between Dick Murdoch and Killer Carl Cox. In Japan, mm. American against American. And Carl Cox was also kind of same size as Murdoch too. Yeah, yeah, but the generation older. Uh, well, they were they were related, right? 
Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I thought I heard something that they were cousins or... The, the, the definite cousins, Dick Murdoch and Killer Tim Brooks. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Killer Tim, it's yeah. the killer, the, Tim Brooks. Yeah, yeah, okay. Killer Tim Brooks was trained by his cousin, Dick Murdoch. I yeah, they were okay. That's yeah. what I'm mixing it up. Excuse the me. All Texans. <laughs> all Texans, yeah. All, and all yeah. had good yeah. careers yeah. in Japan. Yeah. And Killer Carl Cox against Dick Murdoch, I remember as a kid vividly that they, of course, double juice and the, the, the double DQ or something or the double counters or something they didn't have finished. But the, what they did was very interesting at the end. They had this stereo brain buster in the ring. One, I believe, was Teenage Onita getting it. Uh -huh. And the other, I don't remember, maybe like a young Masafuchi or somebody. But the two young wrestlers, nothing to do with this match. But the, that the, after the you know double count or the double DQ, that the, the brawl continues, right? And all the young wrestlers, you know, like a top and bottom, you know, like a tracksuit. All the young second come in to break up the fight, right? But they're still fighting. And they ended up doing a, the same signature brain buster in two different places in the ring, like a stereo brain buster. It looks so good. Hmm. Are you picturing it? Yeah, it's kind of like a perfect story. It just happened to be the perfect, perfect timing. Yeah, perfect, exact same uh, looking brain. Yeah, like a vertical, and you hold the guy so long, like upside down. Uh, Harley Race used to do that too. He was one of the the guys that would kind of do the stalled suplex like that, right? Did he? Do right, that? right. To hold the guy for a long time. That's right. not not the brain buster move, but the the vertical suplex where Ver vertical suplex. Yeah, right. Yeah, pose not, it. Exact opposite is dynamite kid snap suplex. That's quick exactly. one. Yeah, that's a good yeah, uh, analogy. The, right, that's exact opposite, but. Uh, old-fashioned american heavyweight guy would do this vertical vertical holding guy upside down for a real long time for the uh for the audience far away you know what i'm saying that's right yeah you show yeah. them what you're doing yeah and it has to be that the wrestling has the moves has to be you know have to be something that it's understood by audience far away yeah, it's, it's a giant hard... baba school wrestling yeah, it's hard to see what you're doing if you're on the mat, uh, grappling, trading holds, headlocks, uh, leg locks. It's without yeah. And then also television. they were yeah. you know the old fashioned wrestling. Well, I, I was gonna say old fashioned wrestling school, but the school of wrestling, not a wrestling school, wrestling school. But right, the, right, right. The old fashioned wrestlers were told to do it in the middle of the ring, not the side of the ring or the by the corner or by the turnbuckle bring your yourself and your opponent back into the middle of the ring and do it wwe still does it today you bring your match into the middle center of the ring always mm -hmm. you can do certain things in corner certain things by the rope by the apron but eventually you know 10 15 seconds you know seconds later you have to bring your match into the middle the center of the ring yeah you have to make sure that uh fans realized that this win couldn't be disputed it was in the center of the ring <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's you know once you know it you know you watch even today's match oh they're doing it still today you know mm -hmm. so it's like a lot to learn anyhow back to dick murdoch so, so young dick murdoch in 20s into 30s you know dick murdoch the working the jwa nippon pro wrestling uh, Kokusai Pro Wrestling, IWE International, then All Japan. Then it was 1981 comes. New Japan, Antonio Inoki steals Abdullah the Butcher from New All Japan and sign, you know, sign him away. And following month, Jan Baba steals Taiga Jit Singh from New Japan and sign, sign him away and, and sign with All Japan. And Dick Murdoch, one of those guys that switched side that, at the time, that from All Japan to New Japan same summer yeah so there were quite a few big talents uh involved in this kind of 81 82 these were pretty chaotic years right right like uh, like dick murdoch all the tiger chandy kim doc tiger toguchi the, even people like wahoo mcdaniel from all japan to new japan um chavo guerrero senior the classic mm. from new japan to all japan and right. th there were quite a few yeah and uh, dick murdoch decided to switch side at the time the reason i i i i asked actually he told me in person that the, why was the reason that the, he you wanted to switch side from all japan to new japan because i thought the jan baba's all japan was treating you know treating him pretty good right hmm. 
what Dick Murdoch told me was that Sakaguchi gave me more tours. Ah, well, it's just business. <laughs> it was a business call. Yeah, yeah. I got 17 weeks this year. 17 weeks is like a four months, almost five months out of the year, right? Yeah, and people need to realize that the Japanese yen was much different a value in oh, the early 80s. And right. Now. I mean, that's it's, a lot it's, of it's money. It's very cheap now, yeah. But uh, at the time, yeah, yen value was really high. And also, Japan was the only place charging people $100 for ringside ticket when wrestling in, in, in late 70s and 80s in America was like a $20. Yeah, yeah it was definitely uh, um, what's the, the approach. In America, you want to, I feel like the old approach was to try to get everybody, as many people in as you could, right? Whereas yeah. in Japan or something like St. Louis, uh, wrestling at the chase, there's more. Um, $50 ringside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like $20 ringside was like, considered expensive or something yeah. when movie was 375 right? Yeah, but also around the States, thing, uh, certain things were cost more, cost less. And I think in Texas, right, right. $20 in 1981, that could in wrestling business, yeah. even in America, if you were making five grand a week, good money, like a great money. Oh, yeah. Five grand uh, a week. And John Baba, Anthony Inoki in early 80s were paying like a ten to 15,000 a week to American superstars. It's, uh, it's amazing. I wonder what the, uh, what is it? Yeah, a couple million rate? yens a week. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm looking. Was, I, I just looked it up right remember, now. It's five thousand uh, dollars in 1981 was sixteen thousand three hundred twenty-six. So about sixteen. Oh, okay. did you calculate it? That? I just, I just <laughs> typed. Oh, I typed but it. Now, in now what? Uh, so okay, it's so so cheap. Yen's so really cheap right now. If uh, he was getting paid, Dick Murdoch was getting paid ten thousand dollars. Yeah, it was like eight thousand or something. Eight thousand. Okay, let's see. And that was 1981. Yeah. So. Let's see. He would be getting paid today about twenty six k per week for per week. 17, 18 weeks a year. Of course, he's going to go to Japan. I mean, he could take yeah, care of the, his whole family. The money and... was good. Money was good, but no headaches, no polit you know, political, you know, maneuvering in Japan. You just show up at the hotel lobby and get picked up by the bus and go to the arena. And the arena has, you know, like a workout. You know, you can like a workout or practice or, you know, jump rope or something that is all there. Then you have a match and uh, you just have a match and, and go back to you, you get, get on the bus and back to your hotel and off to the next town. And the lifestyle was such that Dick Murdoch enjoyed so much that uh, this is a paradise that I never have to worry. And sometimes I don't even have to pay for dinner. How's that? Mm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, new, yeah, he, he lasted with New Japan for a real long time. And he was one of the bookers in you know, Seiji Sakaguchi era. I see. Okay. When, yeah, when Inoki turned politician, like in the, 80, in the 80s, before that, like Riki Choshu and Masa Saito came, you know, uh, became more of an office. And uh, all the Americans were like Masa Saito's Americans on. Right, like that's right. Yeah, Vader, the Scott Norton, the Brad Renegade. Yeah, yeah, it's just like more Masasaito, Minneapolis oriented. That was your guys. scene. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the Minnesota crew. My scene. Yeah, I guess. But uh, Dick Murdoch kind of got the pushed away, you know, a little bit. Yes. You know? And uh, it was clearly written on the wall that it, it's going to be Vader, you know, to be the big guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he got booked less and less. But then again, uh, he, after after New Japan, he worked for Onita's FMW and the spin-off uh, Wing and IWA Japan. He also worked Tenru's WAR. And then uh, at the end, he was working for professional wrestling Fujiwara Gumi. So he really, whenever, he went wherever he wanted to. In Japan, because if this deal's done, that the, he's free agent, another Japanese company won't you. Yeah. I think it, he also took advantage of that in the States, too. I mean, when he did come back to the States, and he had his mid-South the, Yeah, in and, between. 
Yeah, I mean, they well, were. Well, he even worked. He even worked WWE with Adrian Adonis a little bit. Yeah, what was their name? Uh, not the East West Connection, North South Connection. Something like that, right? Something like that. And also WCW, he and Dirty Dickie Slater was at the headliner. No, head something. Headhunter. Yeah. No, no, no. That the headhunters. No, that this is I. I can't remember. But the Dick Murdoch and Dickie Slater, Dirty Dick Murdoch and D Dirty Dickie Slater was was a team for WCW for a while too. Oh yeah, they tried to recreate it too in the '90s with Bunkhouse Buck. Remember that? Ah, okay, okay. Very similar. Hmm. Bob Braun, beer drinking guy, like a yeah. fighter. Yeah. But uh, so he so he was working these, you know, American companies in, in the States in the meantime. But basically, he um, always worked in Japan and he was well liked. Um, American side always worked against Jap Japanese, but people always liked him almost like a baby face. Hmm. Oh, let's uh, and also the very important uh, that the single pro program that we cannot forget that the fourth annual IWGP tournament final was Antonio Inoki against Dick Murdoch, hmm. 1986. 1986. So it was, I think, were uh, Inoki and Murdoch around the same age? Uh, Inoki is like three years older, 1943. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Not, not too far apart. So the, and, but they were kind of towards the end. The, nearing the end of their careers by this point yeah but they had a very senior wrestling match though mm. like a mature wrestling match not like flying you know between ropes or anything like that mm, no comedy they, spots yeah yeah they had you know like a color elbow tie up lock up to headlock to headlock to hammerlock to hammerlock back to top left lock and all these things yeah very convincing um yeah and also put dick murdoch in iwgp tournament final how well thought Dick Murdoch was for Inoki's company. That says a lot. Think? It says a lot. Yeah, because inaugural IWGP tournament was 1983. Inoki against younger Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. Hogan won and became the first champion. 84, Inoki and Hogan again. 84. And 85, Inoki against Andre the Giant. And 86, Inoki against Dick Murdoch. So see, that he, he was important. Yeah. Uh, we also, you know, when he was going into Japan, like you said, he would come back and forth and he would appear uh, for promotions in the States. But also when we were talking about the, uh, with the team, with him and Dusty, the Texas Outlaws, they appeared in a famous movie around this time, the AWA. Oh, time. The Wrestler? The Wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. Not the Mickey Rock Wrestler. That, wrestler right. This is the Vern Gagne. Yeah. Vern Gagne is 1970 movie, right? Hmm. Yeah, the wrestler. Yeah, he appeared. Young Ric Flair in it. Of course, Billy Robinson in it. Dick Murdoch, Dusty Rose. Yeah, quite a few other guys were in it. And they even had lines. You know? Yeah, I, I remember not just appearing scene. in the background. Yeah, they were at a bar or something. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember the scene. I, yeah, they they. It's not a good movie. I can't tell anybody out there listening to, to, <laughs> yeah. to go. If, I don't if you're even know that the DVD existed, that the VH, VHS tape existed. Ah, uh, it's know. on YouTube. You could find YouTube. it. YouTube. Okay, yeah. okay. If you're interested out there, yeah, it's it's out there. The rest. But still, in back in 1970, somebody put the budget to make such a movie and the the actual motion picture movie about wrestling. That was pretty big. Very. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. I also say if you're in a movie about pro wrestling back then, yeah. Yeah. And not comedy, you know, type, you know, treatment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a pretty serious movie about wrestling, you know. But the, yeah, so he, yes, Dick Murdoch was in it. Right. And maybe he might have been in, 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 the, in the short role as a Paradise Alley too. Terry Funk's Sylvester Stallone movie. Oh, okay. Remember, like 76. Uh, the Paradise Alley it was uh, right between Rocky One and Two. That uh, I guess Sylvester Stallone wanted to make a wrestling movie too as well. It yeah. was like, Stallone yeah. was always uh, uh, used and admired by pro wrestling pro wrestlers. Yeah, and then a good friend of Terry Funk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Hogan yeah, too. So, uh, yeah, that both too. Yeah, big Japanese stars at the time. Right. Actually, it was Terry Funk who recommended young Hulk Hogan for Rocky Three role. 
Huh. Yeah, it was Terry Falk. Yeah, because uh, Sylvester Stallone was looking for somebody really big, uh, a wrestler for this charity attraction scene. And uh, maybe originally it was going to be Terry Funk's role, but the Terry Funk recommended, I know somebody, you know, it's a perfect for that role. Hmm. And he was young, young uh, Terry Bollier, uh, already Hulk Hogan, but he was between his first WWE stint and AWA, yeah. But that movie helped him tremendously. Yeah, he at least it seems like his his name value had to have increased at around that right, time in the right. states as a Thunder Lips. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 with Hogan, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. After 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 track, but the, Hulk Hogan was wearing Thunder Lips gown in Japan first. Oh. Yeah. In the back, right. he says Thunder Lips. Yeah. Uh, I mean, movie name, yeah, but the, yeah. Actually, Hulk Hogan and uh, Dick Murdoch toured together in Japan in early 80, 81, 82, 83, yeah. The, it's, that's interesting to think about because really, to me, they, I feel like they're such different wrestlers. Yeah, but they were in the same dressing room probably oh, yeah, 15 yeah. weeks out of the year. I mean, in terms of style, in, in terms of yeah, inside yeah. the ring, they're, too, they're so different, but... um. Well, around the same time, Abdul the Butcher and Hulk Hogan were in the same dressing room. Sure, yeah. sure. With with Dick Murdoch, it, it, it's hard to. I mean, it, you should go out and watch Dick Murdoch's work because he was. I can't. There's nobody really to compare him to these days. Does the best? I think he does the best working punch. Yeah. 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 Better than Terry Funk. Better than Jerry Lawler. Uh, they're up there. They're up mm. there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, or you just said of... Jerry Lawler and Terry Funk, of course, but the <laughs> same craft. Yes. You know, the old fashioned, you know, Lyra's feather working punch, but it looks great thing. It was an art, right? Yes. And uh, yeah, they came out of the same era. Yes. Uh, Terry and... Funk and Dick Murdoch, of course. Yeah. Murdoch also was somebody who could throw a pretty beautiful trap kick. For that size of guy, and uh, yeah, and uh, standing flying head scissors, yeah, that's not right. touching anybody, you know. <laughs> Before the, the yeah, times of Frankensteiners, there was the flying head scissors, head scissors, right? Right, oh, yeah, Scott Steiner's, you know, Frankensteiner changed the whole mode or whole, you know. The, I guess that the whole mechanical, you know, wrestling mm. there. But uh, until then, yes, Dick Murdoch and Red Bastine's flying head scissors was a, like a really, really beautiful move. Mm. And he was doing that to Giant Baba. He was doing that to uh, Jumbo Tsura with New Japan. He was doing that to uh, Fujinami and, and Inoki. Yeah. So uh, almost 300 pounds. Yeah, Amazing. and uh, sometimes, you know, American superstar working New Japan and Old Japan, Old Japan and New Japan, and it's the same wrestler, but some guys look better with Old Japan, and some guy looks better with New Japan. For Dick Murdoch, he worked exactly the same. That's interesting. He didn't have to... Isn't that though? Alt, he didn't have to change his, uh, you know, sometimes he was he just have to being himself. Yeah. Like uh, you, you and I talked about the, the calf branding, right? He yes. was doing perfect calf branding to Fujinami every time. Whereas <laughs> you have somebody like we talked about last week, Adrian Adonis, who could work. Oh, he does that too. Yeah. But he could also be completely different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, he could, he could uh, adapt, uh, you know, WWF, for example. He could, he was a different style of wrestler where I know what you're talking about, though. His style of wrestling worked wherever he went, which was uh, yeah, his rhythm and mannerism. Yeah, it allowed him to work all over the world. Yeah, and and uh, hate to say, like I hate to sound cliche, but like what they call a good worker or something, right? Oh yeah, but um, yeah. It, it's hard to convey, I guess, that how valuable it was to be. Well, that. That's why today's you know wrestling audience that the the, uh, the listener of our podcast has to go out there and go find Dick Murdoch's 70s match and 80s match on YouTube. That the match we just talked about, Killer Carl Cox and Dick Murdoch single match from all Japan's mid 70s, that exists in YouTube. You can find it. 
And I believe there are a couple of his matches on New Japan World from his time around then, too. Oh, yeah, well, definitely the IWGP tournament final, uh, Dick Murdoch against Antonio Inoki, the serious one. That, that mm. was a serious version of Dick Murdoch, yes. And also 1985, the year before that, he had single match in Japan against Bruiser Brody at Korakan. Mm. Another same size kind of guys, yeah big guys who can move uh, i'm sure and yeah I, I was there at the building that bruiser brody didn't really mess with him <laughs> so <laughs> you know when you were there when you saw them in the ring what how do people react uh to to two big texas pro wrestlers but, oh I mean, that I'm was sure interesting because was... there was a type of match that the people cannot know the outcome of it you know well bruiser brody will be dick murdoch no dick murdoch stronger you know it's like suspense and, and it's just like unknown territory was there actually dick murdoch is tougher no 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 bro is better this is like, it was perfect mm -hmm. and they did the double bloody juice thing and i don't think they had finish like double counter or double dq of sort yeah very popular finish in the around that time <laughs> Yeah, because who can win, you know, between well, Dick Murdoch and Bruiser Brody? Oh, between them or even to Tenru and Choshu? And it, it, well, of course, of when course. When the stars are so big, you might as well have them and stay, be protected, right? And it protected. wasn't, yeah. And then it wasn't going to be the only time they meet in the ring, right? If right. match is good and uh, they got over or something, that uh, they'll do it again. But uh, Dick Murdoch, that's the uh, Dick Murdoch. Bruiser Brody match only happened once. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They didn't do it again. But, uh, oh, there was uh, Akira Maeda against Dick Murdoch match in a single match a couple of times. That's another good style splash. <laughs> Akira Maeda was already doing UWF style kick mm -hmm. and suplex and submission only. Never run, you know, bounce off the rope. Total opposite to Dick Murdoch, what he did. Yeah, but uh, what's so smart about Dick Murdoch was, though, they're fighting outside the ring, right? And teasing double counter, right? Mm. But uh, they, you know, they try so hard to get back in the ring, right? And Maeda grabbed Dick Murdoch's trunks. And it's famous. Dick Murdoch never tie his tights. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Uh, as, so, the, as so they're not Maeda very tight. grabs the, the uh, yeah, never. It's always loose. Mm. You know, always you know, for some reason, and never tight. You know, easy you to know. be pulled off. You could say. And as Maeda, as serious as he was, as he grabbed Dick Murdoch's tights off, then bare ass shows in at the Korakuen Hall. Uh, Maeda couldn't help himself. <laughs> yeah, but it just takes UWF away from him, don't you think? Yeah, that's how special Dick Murdoch was, I guess. He had that uh, ability to... Yeah, and then also he could wrestle as as much as Maeda wanted it, you know? And uh, there's nothing wrong with the match. And uh, I went to, you know, downstairs and asked Maeda how he was, and he said, oh, I got a good sweat. <laughs> you know, like it was a, I mean, good match. He actually enjoyed it. Mm. He had a lot of respect for Dick Murak. Yeah, it wasn't comedy. And also he was a tough guy, you know, and uh, he can wrestle and, and do the serious style when he wanted it to. So Maida had a lot, a lot of respect. I think the, yeah. maybe, maybe why that worked, and I think one good reason to watch Dick Murdoch these days is he's a great example of a great pro wrestler who never looked like he had any choreographed things. In his that's movies. right. That's right. No well, matter I what. Don't, no matter what. In, 19, you know, 1987 version of Akira Maeda and Dick Murdoch, I don't think they went over spots. Of course, yeah, of course not. I mean, so yeah, I mean, like an to... old fashioned pro wrestler, they probably call you know, call it in the ring if, yeah, if they have it. to. Hmm. And also, they well, Dick Murak spoke some Japanese, like good enough to go in the bar and order your own drink and food. Wow, but not quite conversational, right? Sure, and same as Maeda's English, she can you know communicate, but not in details right so i think they just went in and 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 worked wrestling I mean, is the uh, yeah. the lingua franca Ling wrestling is the the language that they had to use of course of course so it's interesting uh, in hindsight almost that the, you, you you go find akira maida against dick murdoch single match on youtube or something it's out there 
Yeah, and uh, it's a very interesting match. So Dick Murdoch against Jumbo, Dick Murdoch against Baba, Dick Murdoch against Killer Carl Cox, Dick Murdoch against Maeda, Dick Murdoch against Bruiser Brody, and IWGP final uh, Anthony Inoki match. It's all important. Or Dick Murdoch, Adrian Adonis, the tag team. Great tag team. They, yeah, so lot, lots, lots of tapes. And that's probably why, you know, the guy, the, the generation younger than the real Dick Murdoch, WWE named one person, Trevor Murdoch, and he's still Trevor Murdoch. Hmm. Yeah. Does look like him. He does resemble. Them. Oh, face? Yeah. Oh, God, yes. And uh, it was a tale that uh, in 1996, uh, he was still living in Amarillo Canyon area, and he was trying to have like local wrestling called Blast from the Past. Mm-hmm. Did I say it right? Blast from the Past wrestling. Okay, it's got like a rhyming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Blast from the Past is a is a regular uh, idiom. Yeah, yeah, right. Like a jogan. Uh, the Blast from the Past wrestling in in Amarillo, Texas. It was uh, rodeo and wrestling together. In the same oh, show. Oh, very interesting. Very Texas, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then he one night he was having a meeting. Okay, two months before that, uh, about a month before that, he had final tour with uh, Japan. Uh, that was professional wrestling Fujiwara Gumi. Dick Murdoch against Fujiwara in single match. It's another uh, very different oh, interesting one. Clash, it sounds yeah. interesting, huh? Mm. I think the video exists somewhere. I must. That, uh, as he went back to Narita Airport, he called Fujiwara. He enjoyed it. So uh, that uh, he called Fujiwara's you know, house or, or office that uh, he called Fujiwara. They talked on the phone. Said, Fujiwara, I had a real good time. Let's do it again. And then Fujiwara said, yes, sir. Let's do it again. Right? Because they enjoyed each other. Match. Wrestling match. Hmm. That was June. Uh, oh, that was a May of 1996. And one month later, Dick Murdoch passed away. Very young. I mean, only 39 years old. Just a couple, couple months. I think it's 49. No, 1996, though. 1996. He was born in 1940. So he'd be 49, but almost 50, right? Oh, okay. But two months before his 50th birthday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I so around this I when I first ever saw Dick Murdoch I was a kid I was me 10 uh, he was yeah. in Royal Rumble 1995 right WWF short very short stay As this is another example of how Dick Murdoch could just work can be in WWF environment and I remember he was I, I I was thinking to myself like wow this guy uh doesn't look like the other guys in the ring right now. And he, I remember he lasted in the well, ring for a long time. Doesn't look like anybody in there. In there. He looked like he was from uh, the old school. And mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. And he's still, he was st- and something like the Royal Rumble is a great uh, example of watching him do all of his tricks. You know, his, uh, yeah, yeah. his, his like the, the headlock stuff. Punch the, and the elbow, punch, big elbow bumps. Elbow stuff to the, yeah, to the comedy. top of the head. Yeah. Kind of goofy spots, uh, heel uh, spaghetti, spots. spaghetti legs. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. Or sit on the ass kind of thing, bump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. So, so he could walk into WWF and does his stuff, and it still works. Mm. And uh, back to past from the a blast from the past wrestling that the rodeo and wrestling together yes. one night he was having a meeting because he was a promoter he was going to be a promoter and they, they actually ran a couple shows and that night he said i'm going home early you know i mean like you expect dick murdoch to stay in bar and drink more right hmm. but that night he went home early all right see you guys later right then he went home he didn't even change clothes. He laid on the couch and slept, and he was gone. Oh, sad. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, I heard he didn't even change his clothes. He just laid on the couch as he came home, and that was it for him. Um, yeah. Just 
a month later after you know final tour and he made total of 54 tours it depends on how you count it you know sometimes he stayed in japan between tours because he was there back to back so he decided not to go home but the, it depends on how you count it but he was in japan 54 or 55 tours but lot. he was tell that's a lot but he was telling me or telling people that uh, i've been here a couple hundred times <laughs> he well, probably felt the, like it, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, uh, after he'd spent all those years in Japan, among the twenty-eight years, among the pro wrestling fans there, what was what would you say their impression or overall image of of Dick Murdoch? Oh, was? like a, uh, the fan was yelling at you know Murdoch, come back soon, you know, mm. like the end of the tour, it was like a small palace show, right? Mm. And he has. You know, if he's not a, not a main event, he still works like a third from top and against somebody. And the Dick Murdoch's like, heel American, but still very popular. It's like, come back again soon. People are, you know, just, just saying it. And uh, very likable in Japan. Yeah. And he picked up language and uh, he didn't look like bodybuilder, but he was always in shape and happy. And you're, yeah, well, of course, Japanese wrestling fan always loved cowboys, right? From mm. your Terry Funk, Dory Funk to Stan Hansen to, we had more cowboys. Dick Murdoch was complete Texan too. Mm. Yeah. yeah he, he wasn't a bodybuilder, but he was, he was a wrestler. It was pretty clear. Maybe more like a tall sumo wrestler looking, huh? Sure. Yeah. Kind of, kind of yeah. like a slim yeah. sumo wrestler. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he enjoyed the culture, and you know, everybody and wrestling fan knew about it. And how he goes to Japanese bars, not the Western American looking bars, but he wanted to go to Izakaya and have like a Kirin beer or a Sapporo beer or Ebis beer or something like that, right? Hmm. Yeah. So he was, uh, yeah, favorite was always stayed in main event status, and yeah, it was like that. So yeah, so that was my Dick Murdoch story. Because yeah, no, I was gonna say it's um, it it was cut short. You know, uh, I think so. Yeah, young, uh, very young. Yeah, he could go five more years, maybe. Yeah, it was uh, in yeah. shape. Oh yeah. Um, I the the legacy. I guess the legacy is. I mean, Trevor Murdoch isn't his real son, but that's the the last uh, kind of artifact. Yeah, baseball cap and flannel shirt, and yeah, mm. yeah. But um, if you want to learn about he, learning, you got, they feel like you can learn so much from Dick Murdoch because he's a wrestler. The video, who, yes. Because when you look at what he does, there's, he he doesn't do all that much. It's how he works. Not like today's spectacular moves. No, no. He you know he could go for minutes maybe even hours just throwing punches like you said the, the way he threw a punch was fun to watch and by the time the match is towards the end there's blood yeah, everywhere and, and, and some comedy looking bumps yeah and i think that that it it's less like a, the feeling you get from a wrestling match and it's you you can kind of believe that you're watching this brawl because you're watching this and also the way that the, the faces he make very expressive very yeah. expressive yeah very animated the way he holds his own nose like oh it hurts you know mm. well, just expressions well, when he's angry when he looks at his own fist before he throws a punch you know sure sure and he was usually taller than your opponent yeah yeah so yeah it's it's very interesting to to and you can still watch Dick Murdoch's Matt, you know, old, you know, old videos from seventies and eighties. Mm. You can really learn a lot from it. YouTube, Daily Motion, and then New Japan World are the probably the best. <laughs> New ways Japan to watch World, in probably, Japan. yeah, and the YouTube, yeah, you can find a lot, you know, because the what's not on New Japan World is there like old Japan footage, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, yeah, so yeah, it's like people should not forget about. Dick Murdoch. There was once upon a time there was a great wrestler. His name was Dick Murdoch, mm. and he was in Japan a lot. I had a yeah. big impact and was a regular on the Japanese wrestling scene for years. Yeah, yeah. I felt like I grew up watching him. Mm. 
Wh- which is funny the, because yeah. people over here had the same feelings, but watching him in the States. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, he, he was a memorable character. Yeah, never was a world heavyweight champion, but he never wanted to be. You know, he could have been, but uh, he just wanted to have his way, I guess. Mm. Yeah. It seems that way. Okay, so if fans that or anybody that's listening out there that has, if we have questions about Dick Murdoch, how can we reach you? Online? Or for that matter, any wrestler or right. any era or the historical event or history is period. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just send me message on Fumi Saito on Facebook or at Fumihiko Dayo, F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O on Twitter. And on Twitter, I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. You can reach us there. So that's it, Dick Murdoch. So until next yeah, time. Yeah, I got so excited. I got, yeah. <laughs> almost got the, tired talking about it. I just go, Well, you yeah. know, it's, it's, I, I'm interested and I like learning about how he was such a regular star in Japan. Not to many people's knowledge over in the States, you know. It's right. It's interesting to think about. You almost had two different lives. It's like people. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't know about it, people don't think this part of their lives exists. So therefore, pretty much overlooked by now. But yeah. we do the the one positive thing I guess we can say is there's a chance to to revisit and and discover yeah. and learn. And I'm sure these days, if you're a young talent and you're watching wrestling and you watch Dick Murdoch out there, there's probably a lot you could pull from that. Because <laughs> yeah. I think his style is very timeless, kind of style, yeah, timeless. timeless. Yeah, I, I'm sure if he was uh, alive and uh, able to wrestle the way he did back then, now I'm sure he could have just as. It great still matches. works. Yeah, yeah, you know, because uh, of the style. So yeah, it doesn't get old. All right, so check everything out. Check uh, Dick Murdoch out. But until next time, Fumi, take it away. So long from Tokyo.